Welcome to another episode of Adulting with Wine. I'm your host, Sasha. It's still Black History Month. As you know, I am featuring eight Black businesses this month from all over the U.S. apparently because my guest this week actually is in Chicago. Her name is Jasmine and she owns the Glam Bar. Jasmine, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Um, so for people who have never heard of Glam Bar, what is the Glam Bar? So the Glam Bar is a full service salon in Chicago. We're based in Lincoln Park. So we offer a variety of services such as eyelash extensions, nail enhancements, waxing, body services, teeth whitening, you name it. We're kind of the one-stop shop. Wow, that's crazy. Teeth whitening? I didn't expect mm-hmm. it. I did a little bit of like research prior to our conversation, obviously. But I didn't know <laughs> teeth whitening. That's dope. So like, yeah. you guys can have somebody in your shop technically all day. Yeah. Like, <laughs> People tend to spend the whole day there, morning to afternoon. Wow. So um, tell me how like you got to start this business, like when did you like think of like hey I'm gonna start like this full service a lot because it's not something it really was like my long dream to have a full service salon I actually started it when I was in college I started off like with a cosmetics line so I just had like lipsticks and lip glosses which we still offer at the salon but I started off just making those lipsticks and lip glosses and that kind of grew and I loved makeup so I decided to go to esthetician school Later in esthetician school, I decided I hated to do makeup. Um, So I decided to get more into the facials, the lashes, waxing, things like that. And kind of my main, um, my main service is eyelash extensions. So I do those like all day, every day. I've never got eyelash extensions before, but I've been considering them. Like, are they at all like damaging to your natural eyelashes? Okay, I'm going to be real. Like, nothing is 100%. I mean, when we come to the strips and the extensions and the lifts, like, nothing is going to be, like, no damage, okay? But as far as everything else out there on the market, this is one of the most safest. So you, um, they're attached to your original lashes, and they grow off as time goes on, you know, as your natural lash cycle goes on, they fall off with your natural lashes. However, it doesn't rip and pull like the strips do or like the cluster lashes do, but they're not 100% where I'll say like, hey, you know, you'll have no damage from them. What do you say? Like, I know you mentioned that you said that you don't like doing makeup. Do you still not offer makeup? And um, what service is like your personal favorite to do? I still offer makeup. Um, I don't do it often but if I have old customers that like my style of makeup I still do service them and my favorite service would definitely be the facials um kind of the transformation also I love the to get into the pores so it's called extraction so I love to do the extractions and stuff like that too and it's soothing because like I I get a facial every now and then but like I feel like the extractions they don't hurt the extractions don't hurt but like uncomfortable it it can be oddly satisfying to some people but then like weird to other people um 
I will say satisfying to do, not to receive. Yeah, I can agree with that. I can totally agree with that. So do you offer, do you personally do all the services yourself in the shop or do you have like multiple employees? Like what can people expect mm-hmm. when you walk in? Um, so I do a lot of the aesthetic services. So I'm kind of the main esthetician at the location, but you will see other uh, estheticians and nail technicians. I don't do nails at all. So I have three nail technicians and one other esthetician. Okay. Um, and how long has the Glam Bar been open? Like so when- this current location that I have, we actually moved to this location uh, right before the pandemic started. So kind of moved in and did a grand opening for March the 1st and kind of got hit and closed by like March 15th. So this was um, one of my craziest ventures, I will say that. Um, But we are still open and I'm glad that we're reopening after so many city shutdowns. I know this past weekend is when a lot of the restaurants opened up and actually when we just got facials back. So we have not had facials in about four months in Chicago. And so we just brought those back this last Friday. Right. It's interesting that you bring up the pandemic. So like, how has that really like impacted your business? Because I know that Chicago has had two shutdowns. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine like a lot of your services, either your shop was completely closed or um, only partially open to some services. So how have you a, like changed your practices in the shop to really accommodate COVID? And like, too, has like, how has it affected like the flow of business for your shop? Um, so the flow of business, at first we were completely closed. Um, then we have been partially open, which a lot of our services have not been offered. Um, so since we've done this transition, we did have to make a lot of accommodations in the salon, such as t- checking temperatures upon arrival. We had to do, of course, the hand washing and sanitizing, six feet between any stations, um, causing us to kind of close down certain pedicure stations, manicure stations, things like that. Uh, my separate, my other rooms, they're only treatment rooms available for like one person at a time. So those were fine. Um, but we did have to transition a lot. And it was actually pretty crazy because we had the COVID police, which I didn't know was a thing. And they actually stopped in and checked on us during this pandemic. Wow. So like, there's actually people that be like, hey, what are you doing? Like, Yeah, they came in with their badge. <laughs> wow. I'm telling you, like, I feel like anybody could get like, be a police officer these days, because you should be giving everybody jobs. Like, what, what, is, what is COVID police? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's almost like, it's shocking to me, like, as when they were doing the census in, um, during the pandemic, because I feel like a lot of it was like super aggressive, like sense of people are aggressive. Um, mm-hmm. But to be aggressive during a pandemic is like a whole nother level. Like, I feel like these people come and hunt you down. So the fact that they're <laughs> also on top of that, COVID police, that's that's wild. So, so what services like exactly did you have to completely close down and um, what services like, were you able to like navigate around? Um, nails and manicures and pedicures, we were able to keep anything that you had to take your mask off for, 
we could not do. So that included facials, that included our teeth whitening, that included um, some of our waxing, like lip and chin and things like that. Anything that you had to take your mask off for, we had to exclude. That makes sense. Um, it's, funny, it's so funny to hear like, um, like a different state's like pandemic procedures because I live in Atlanta, but I'm from New York. So I know that in like seeing different wax services, like in New York, for example, for European Wax Center, if you look in New York, you get, you can't get any like face services, which is aligns with what you're saying. Mm -hmm. um, like, cause you have to take your mask off. But, or if they did, what they did was offer like only, like you could only get your chin done type of mm -hmm. thing because you wouldn't have to fully take off your mask. Um, but if you try to look up like a wax center in Atlanta, mm -hmm. <laughs> whatever you, Baby, you can get whatever you want in Atlanta. Because <laughs> like, um, it was my birthday recently, I actually booked a facial and I didn't even think about that. Like I had no thoughts to like, oh, like, should we be doing a facial? Because like one, like why that doesn't make me as nervous is because it's like usually with a facial, it's just you and one other person. Mm -hmm. so it doesn't bring me so much anxiety. It's not like you're in a room full of like 20 people or something, mm -hmm. but wow. Like Atlanta literally did nothing. Okay, cool. <laughs> Atlanta has been wide open the whole time. <laughs> like that's me. And I really, I honestly did not think about that until you just mentioned like, not being able to do like facial services. Mm -hmm. so, it's been tough here. Well, it's good to know that you still like managed to stay like afloat and still managed to be open, especially with just opening a new location. Cause was it a, like a different location prior to being? Yes, it was a different location. I was in a series of other neighborhoods before this, but this was my first solo venture. And this was also a brand new location in a brand new area. So it was, it was a lot of different challenges, I would say, at one time. Um, what would you say is like the brandish challenge in like starting a, a salon similar to yours? Because I feel like a lot of, it's a very grand feat to like even open a salon of just one service, but opening a salon of multiple services, I imagine is like a whole nother beast. So mm -hmm. what would you say is like the greatest challenge or what advice would you give someone who is looking to also open a salon themselves? Um, I would say basically to number one, do your homework on all of the things that go into running a salon, because there's a lot of things that I didn't factor in or a lot of things that I kind of forgot about. So kind of prioritizing every, every little thing uh, before, you know, diving straight into it. Um, a lot of the things that I kind of faced in my journey were like, once in a lifetime, like, I can't tell you to prepare for a pandemic because, <laughs> I mean, who knows? And I definitely didn't prepare for a pandemic. Um, so my journey is a little unique. Uh, however, I would just, you know, working with others has been kind of my most difficult challenge is learning to um, work with different people, different types of people, their work ethic, and showing them your work ethic and how you, you know, want things to be done in your business. So like that, that has to be very clear and concise with yourself so that you can also channel that to others. And I think that was one of the most difficult things that I can say that I went through this year, other than the pandemic. <laughs> so 
can I ask if this is like your first time like managing like or having employees so like what was that transition like that was that transition was actually very difficult for me I guess because I had it all in my mind what I wanted how I wanted it done but realizing that you have to really outline what a position entails and how you know you want that employee to um, navigate through their daily, you know, routine. Everything just has to be very clear so that, you know, things are done along the lines that you want them to be done. So I feel like I didn't like <laughs> put it all down and I kind of was like, yeah, I want you to do this, this. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're not doing this and not doing that. And it's like, oh, like I didn't tell you that, you know, that's the that's way cool. I want things done. So, yeah. So um, did you ever, like, I want the tea, like, did you ever have to fire somebody? And what was that experience like? I, I did have to, like, separate from someone before. And it was kind of difficult for me because I'm really a nice person. So I, like, kept trying to make it work. I really wanted it to work between us. But as I saw the situation unfold, I realized that this person just wasn't a fit for my business and my brand in the long term. And we it was best that we just settled it and parted ways. I wouldn't say like it was a firing thing. I, I would say like we really sat down and I was just like, hey, you know, this may not be a good fit for you because X, Y, Z. And she gave me her feedback. And, you know, we really just cut ties. <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's very professional. Um, yes. Not like tea, but... That is the hardest part of it all, is to keep it really <laughs> professional. Like, honestly, through this whole thing, like, learning how to kind of tell people off without telling people off has been a skill. Like... <laughs> it truly, it truly is. You don't understand. Like, that is a really skill that I had to master because it was like... I really wanted to, I went from like talking to my friends, so I tell them just how I feel, just straight off the bat. And then going into this, I'm like, oh, I got to watch my mouth. (laughs) So (laughs) that has been a a good In my nine to five, I deal with, um, I work in customer service, particularly in my residential property management. And one of the skills that I like, I feel like I still haven't mastered it, but I've gotten way better at it, is like learning how to, how white people cuss people out and like adapting that to my language. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you just need to. Also bullshitting people. White people are very good at bullshitting people. So I feel mm-hmm. like I've particularly gotten very, like very much better at that. And once mm-hmm. I master that skill, I feel like I can do anything. Like what, what can you tell me once I know how to bullshit you? What can mm-hmm. you tell me? What I know how to cuss you out without you feeling like you got That is the biggest skill, I promise. And that was something that we had to, that we're still kind of learning there because we've moved to a predominantly white neighborhood and we're all black staff um, and black owned. So it is definitely an adaption to learn that sometimes they come in and they smile and they act like they're having a great grand time and then they'll get on Yelp like, oh, she, you know, was, she checked her phone two times while she was doing my nails or something. Like they will write the craziest stuff online and sit in your face and tip and pretend like it was just a great time. So Mm -hmm. I feel like 
like you said, learning how to bullshit <laughs> and cuss them out without cussing them out is something we are definitely learning here. Yeah. So you mentioned like um, being in a, a predominantly white neighborhood. So what is that like being a black, all black and black owned shop at that and having and servicing white clients? Because I did see that on your page. So I do want to ask you about that. So like, what is that like? What is like, a like, what is a challenge in doing that? Because I, one of the things, let me just say this, like I love about like black businesses is like if I have a black business I would say this like or if I do like real estate investing I would only like service black people but I know that being in like a service industry you really can't always do that so what is mm-hmm. like, what is the a challenge with that you would say? I came from kind of a mixed neighborhood before this and we moved to the predominantly white neighborhood. And at that time, I did not want to be in a predominantly white neighborhood. However, I stumbled upon an opportunity for a salon that was way more reasonably priced than anything in my neighborhood. Like anything on my side of town, anything in my neighborhood for the capacity, it was like at least two to three times the price. So I thought it was a great idea to move my business there. But since I've been here, it has been, girl, just a struggle. I mean, people come in and they're just not expecting us. Like, And I'm going to tell you about the neighborhood I'm in. It's called Lincoln Park. So it is a very like wealthy neighborhood in Chicago. Um, it's one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the city, you know. And we're across the street from million-dollar homes. $2 million homes and people are like what are they doing on my block like you know what what are they doing here you know and they don't really support the business on their blocks they kind of look at us funny they if we like after work we get in our cars and maybe we, we sit and chit chat for a little while they come by our windows and like look through the windows to see why we're sitting in front of their house or sitting on their block um, when they do like kind of come in, sometimes we get people that are super friendly and super open, but most times we get people and when they come in and they look around, we can just feel that they're uncomfortable. We can feel their energy that they, you know, may not feel comfortable coming in or sometimes they'll come in and they'll say, Hey, I forgot something in the car and go out to the car and never come back. What? Yeah. <laughs> We've had people like come in and like I told you, I was like, I moved here and I faced a lot of different things at one time. Like we moved in like March 1st. So that was like right in the peak of the pandemic and in the peak of, you know, Black Lives Matter and everything. So that was a big thing. Everybody was coming in. How do you guys feel about Black Lives Matter? And, you know, like, how does it make you feel? And then, you know, the whole Trump thing. And they were like, you know, kind of one time this car would come pull up with the Trump flags and, you know, decorated and kind of look us all in our windows and kind of like, you know, drive off. And it was a lot to deal with, you know, all at one time. But Honestly, a lot of my good clientele, they just tell me like to keep fighting and to keep going. And I know it may be uncomfortable for them, but I have to make them kind of be comfortable with us because, you know, we're here. We're here to stay. So <laughs> that is so crazy. I can't believe like 
first of all, like, I imagine, like, I've never been to Chicago personally, so I just imagine, like, Chicago being, like, not as heavily, like, I don't know, like, I don't imagine, like, a lot of white people there. And that's just, like, me being naive thinking. Um, <laughs> I don't know you get about Chicago, but obviously white people live everywhere. But yeah, the craziness is, like, we are, like, in such a, like, a free state. Like, we are allowed to own whatever we want. So it's just, like, why is it that it makes you uncomfortable to buy from a Black place? And, like, another thing that I kind of want to talk about is kind of, like, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming that most of them kind of like, even if you are uh, staffed black, like they probably feel like, oh, maybe they're owned by someone else. So has anybody asked to speak to the owner or manager? And yeah. You come up and you're like, they're like, <laughs> yeah, all the time. And they, they ask the questions, they try to do it indirectly, but their faith, this is my favorite one that they always ask, like, so how did you find out about this? And I'm like, the same way you found your house on a real estate agent page like on the MLS like the same way but that's their way of like you know how did you get up here in this neighborhood like how did you manage to come across this like that's their favorite question that they always you know ask me but I I mean they'll ask me different questions about how I got here and you know oh you're the owner oh how did you you know how did you get this? Where did you come from? They want to know more about my background because number one, I'm young. So they honestly don't think I'm old enough to own um, the salon. And then two, I'm black in their neighborhood. So they really don't think I'm supposed to own <laughs> the salon. So, I mean, sometimes we get good, like anywhere else, we get good people where they give me very good vibes and, you know, support. And then we get people that just, they can't get with it. Yeah, I mean, it's like you get with it over your laws. I feel mm-hmm. like that's something like I've experienced too, like in my personal like job is like people who ask questions because I've also had to, normally I work outside of the properties, but recently I've had to work specifically on a particular property in Florida. And for this property, it's like, you really can feel when people don't like that they have to interact with you. And it bothers, like, it bothers them because it's just like, you'll get the, oh, they'll have like the simplest problem. And it's, well, I want to speak to a manager. Okay. Well, she's black too. So like, like, what's the next step? So it's just like, that's like the thing that's just like crazy to me. Or it's just like, I've had somebody ask me like, while I work there, like, oh, have the credit requirements dropped? And that's what they truly believe. Like, because this person um, lives here or there are more black people that live here that that there must be like a sudden drop to the property. And now that I'm thinking about it, that's why they make so many complaints. I feel like at that particular property is because they feel like there's a lot more younger people living here of, that are not the same color as me. So the, the, the quality of the community has suddenly dropped mm-hmm. value here there's no pride oh that's the word they love to use there's no pride in the community and like what are you even <laughs> <laughs> crazy so that's just crazy to me that people like really like have this idea like it's like almost like you want segregation and then when we request 
segregation. We're like, okay, well, we don't want to deal with you. It's just like, but I don't see color. Like, obviously, <laughs> you don't want me to live where you live. Mm-hmm. Even own a business where you own a business. Yeah, Chicago is very diverse, but at the end of the day, we live very segregated. Really? Like, you know, yeah, we all kind of have our community. So, like, you wouldn't say that there's a, like, particularly... Well, I think you said there was a neighborhood that you were in before that was kind of mixed. Yeah, I was in South Loop. Yeah, so that's kind of close to downtown. So, yes, like, those areas are very diverse. Okay, but, like, for the most part, all of Chicago kind of, like, this is a white neighborhood, that's a black neighborhood, this is a white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like, South Side is mainly, yeah. North side, yeah. And then like certain communities in between. Some communities are Hispanic, like yeah. We basically have our own little sides of town. Yeah, I mean well like I don't know, because like being from like the Bronx is kind of like okay, like New York is pretty diverse in general, but like I mm-hmm. will say like there are neighborhoods that are like for some people. But I feel like also like if like I lived in a place that was predominantly something else, like I wouldn't be like, <laughs> like I, I wouldn't feel like people will look at me too crazy. I will say like when I first moved to the South Bronx, which is primarily Hispanic, like I think people seeing me, they weren't sure if I was Hispanic or not because like with Hispanic people, like um, you can either look, very, you could be dark and speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Like, definitely ran into people there. So I was like, oh, that's a black person. And then like 10 seconds later, they open their mouth. I'm like, oh, wow, I was wrong. Um, yeah. So I think a lot of it, like when I first moved there, it was like trying to figure out if I wasn't. And then I guess when they figured it out, it was kind of like, oh, she's a black person. And then after a while, it was kind of like, whatever. But I don't know. I just never experienced like such like craziness or like segregation towards that or like such hatred towards it, unless it was like disguised. And now that I'm like growing up and really like coming into like the real world, it's kind of like, Wow, like people are really like racist places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are. They really are. Um, so mm-hmm. on a positive note, where do you see the future of Glad Bar going? So um, the future for me would definitely be I'm moving into um, Glam Academy, which is where I'm going to be teaching the services that I offer. So this one is kind of going to be geared towards me teaching um, new students or people that are interested in getting into the beauty industry, how to do some of the services that they do not teach them how to do in esthetician school or beauty school. So like for myself, when I went to beauty school, they didn't teach eyelash extensions. They teach waxing and the basics, but not Brazilian. Um, They don't teach, you know, eyebrow waxing and tinting in depth. They kind of give you the overview, but like, you know, girls like their brows a certain way nowadays and what they teach you in the book is not how the girls want their, their brows done so what do so they do the skinny brow thing or yes yes girl don't skinny brows <laughs> <laughs> and straight brows oh gosh yeah it's horrible so, so i am focusing on teaching uh i'm sorry what you say i was saying so basically it's like a learning curve where basically you mm-hmm. learn to get your license you learn it one way but it's kind of like in order to pass you have to learn it that way even though it's just like the trends of the world are sort of completely different that is correct so do you plan to have like 
different services in the future or um, have multiple locations? Is that something you're, like, you're looking forward to doing? So I am not looking for any more locations at this time. I think I have my hands full. Um, I am bringing a few new services. I am bringing some different body treatments this year. So we'll be offering some like laser lipo and um, skin tightening, wood therapy, those type of services this year, um, as well as the classes and everything. Um, but I do not look to expand at this moment. Oh I kind of got my hands moment, full. Like in the future. You're like, no, mm-hmm. I'm not. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> but you mentioned um, offering laser lipo. So what exactly is that? So it's basically a non-invasive treatment that allows you to um, do the laser. The lasers, they burn the fat. So you put them on your body and the treatment lasts for about an hour. And during the treatment, it, the lasers basically... Um, burn the fat and it comes out through your lymphatic system so you have to drink like a bunch of water and everything afterwards but the fat does leave your body through your lymphatic system so it helps you to lose the weight is it kind of like okay like is it kind of like cool sculpting where like it's like yeah or like do you see like dramatic results as if you were to do like a 360 life or is it kind of like a subtle like it's subtle a little bit fat you know you got to go to an event. You could do this. Oh, let me be honest. This is something that you have to combine with like healthy eating and going to the gym. This is not that like, like lipo where you just jump on a table, get up and everything is done. This is definitely a journey. Just like going to the gym. It's just an alternative treatment for people that don't want to do an invasive um, lipo or skin tightening, this is just something that can supplement for that, that over time can help you to lose the weight. I do have Cool Sculpted on the machine as well, so it does offer uh, a variety of different services all in one machine. Right, so, okay, so that makes more sense. So it's like a series is more of like something that you can't just do once, it's like a mm-hmm. US service. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, five to ten. Yeah, five to ten. Is there anything else you would like to share about your business or uh, about the glam bar? Um, you can share your location so like people who are living in Chicago. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you can definitely follow us at the bar underscore. We're located at 2459 North Racine, and that's in Chicago, Illinois, 60419. Um, you can also Google us at the Glam Bar or look for us online at theglambar.net. Wow. And that's Glam with two M's, right? Yes, that's Glam with two M's. Okay. Be sure to follow Jasmine Salon and check her out if you live in the Chicago area. Um, and also follow the podcast so you can be updated on all the other features for the rest of Black History Month at Adulting with Wine. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. It's big bags busting out the belly band. Take a man, work a